This is Bill Warner with another podcast on anything and everything related to political Islam. Hello everyone, this is Apple State Imam and this is uh, our fourth English live stream with uh, Bill Warner. Everyone knows him, especially in India. He is pretty popular among those who don't like Islam and uh, he's a great scholar. He wrote several books and even his, his books are taught in several schools, especially in right-wing schools where people want to learn that uh, how Islam is a threat for humanity, for our society, for our future progress, and uh, why we should not practice or follow this cult. So let me uh, let me add uh, Bill Warner. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, so many people were uh, were asking me that when I'm going to invite Bill Warner on my channel and uh, so many people were waiting for you and uh, today uh, we would like to know that uh, why you decide to criticize Islam since I, I'm an ex-Muslim uh, I left Islam in year 2012 and uh, I, I knew that uh, why this religion is dangerous for society. Uh, but still, it is really difficult to convince non-Muslims uh, that why uh, Islam is so dangerous uh, because uh, people only see uh, sugar-coated Islam by Muslim scholars. Uh, even Muslims don't know what their religion uh, really is. And That's they are true. not aware of their own scriptures. So the floor is yours, sir. Uh, uh, you could tell people that why you decide to criticize Islam and how Islam is dangerous for our society, for our future uh, uh, constitution, for our future, uh, for, demo for democracy, why it is not good. Well, I, my interest in Islam started when I, I'm an 80-year-old man. And my interest in Islam, of all things, started when I was 30 years old. I wanted, I studied Sufism, which was, but Sufism was not satisfactory to me because there were some things they didn't talk about. I didn't know what they were at the time, but I sensed there was something hidden. And the things that were hidden for me as a student were jihad, primarily, and Sharia. So then I did, uh, only later when I was, ooh, maybe 20 years later, I became a college professor and I had many Muslim students. I believe if you want to understand somebody, you need to understand how they think. And they made it very clear that, that at least one in particular, that they thought what was in the Quran was the truth. So I decided, well, I want to read this, this truth. And so I read the Quran. It disturbed me. And then I read the life of Muhammad. That disturbed me even more. So as a consequence, when 9-11 happened in America, many people called me to say, you said something was going to happen. How did you know? I said, well, I read their playbook. And their playbook is found in the Quran, the Sirah, and the Hadith. The Sirah is the life of Muhammad, and the Hadith are his traditions. And when Osama bin Laden called America to Islam, I knew that we were going to get attacked because Muhammad, before he would attack anybody, would uh, call them to Islam. So when, he, when Osama bin Laden called us to Islam, I told many of my friends, I says, we're going to get whacked and it's going to be bad. I didn't know it was going to be on September 11th. I didn't know that it was going to be at the World Trade Towers. 
But it is interesting that Muhammad's favorite time to attack was a sneak attack on an economic uh, target and done in the morning. So all of this fit exactly. And I realized after the World Trade Towers came down, down that I lived in a nation that didn't know anything about Islam at all. They didn't know a Muslim from a Buddhist, from a Hindu, from anything else. And so as a scientist, I wanted to make what I call the DNA or the, or the source code available. That is, I want to know what, what did Muhammad say and do and what did Allah say? So that's when I started my study of Islam. And after I, then I decided that what I wanted to do is to make these books readable. So what I teach people is in my books, big ones and small ones, is how to think and act like Muhammad and how to understand what's in the Quran. Most people, when they read the Quran as Americans go, oh, they don't really believe that. Well, they do believe that. What do they call themselves? They call themselves the believers. So anyway, I wanted to make this. The other thing is I was driven by fear because the more I studied Islam, the more I realized it had two people. Our ethical basis in the Western world, and I'll include India in this, is some version of the golden rule. That is, treat your neighbor well as you would be treated. Some version of that. So that's our ethical principle. That's a cornerstone of our civilization. And I include Hindus along with Jews and Christians and even atheists who, who, who want to treat others well as they would be treated. But there's also one other thing. The intellectual foundation of our civilization is critical thought, scientific thought. And in, in Islam, there's no, that is not allowed because all the answers have to come from Quran and Sunnah. So therefore, the, the mind of Islam is quite small. So that's the reason that as they influence, influence us more and more in America, we see our rights slipping away. Because one of the rights that we have is freedom of speech. But under Sharia, there is no freedom of speech. Anything that you say about a Muslim he doesn't like is basically blasphemy. So that's how I got started. That's the reason I decided to write books. And by the way, I wrote big books at first. And then by sort of, I was doing some lobbying at the Nashville, Nashville here and uh, at the legislature. And I realized that I wanted something for the legislators to read on Sharia. But there was no way they were going to read a big book. So I decided to write a book that was one eighth of one inch thick. I don't know how to express that in metric, but it basically was very thin. The reason is I wanted it to seduce the reader. That is, I could read a book this small. I sold tens of thousands of those books called Sharia Law for Non-Muslims. So those, that's how I got in the book business and why I got in the book business and why I consider Islam to be such a drastic threat. There is no bridge between Islam and our country. Now, I have some friends who are atheists, and they think, well, that doesn't matter to me because I don't have any religion. What they don't realize here is that atheists are the worst enemy of Islam, except perhaps apostates. And by the way, let me say that I honor and praise you as being an apostate, because it takes courage. Those who have not studied Islam do not realize how hard it is to leave Islam. So that's so once again, I want to praise you and say that you're uh, you're one of society's heroes. Uh, thank you, sir. Uh, especially uh, uh, when I left Islam, even uh, some of my old friends, they wanted to kill me because they believe that uh, it's written in Sunan Nasai, Hadith 4063, that whoever changes his religion, he should be killed. Even it is mentioned in Sahih al-Bukhari, Hadith 6922, that Ali, uh, who was the fourth caliph, he burned few atheists in his lifetime. Yes. 
and Ibn Abbas got angry with him. Uh, he said that uh, uh, punishing someone with fire is only uh, right of Allah. Uh, Muhammad said that if uh, anyone left his religion, then it should be killed. Uh, so you should not, uh, you should uh, just kill them, but you should not burn them alive. So you see that uh, according to Islam, people should be killed. Even so many people were leaving Islam when Muhammad died. And in Sunan Nasai Hadith 3974, Abu Bakr tell uh, uh, his follower that uh, uh, I should take uh, I should take some people along with me uh, and I should uh, kill those people. So Omar got angry that uh, you are killing uh, your own people. So Abu Bakr said, yeah, because I heard the uh, Holy Prophet saying that uh, I am commanded to kill or fight until people didn't accept that there is only one God and it is only Allah and I am his, his messenger. So those people were forcibly converted later in, uh, back into Islam and uh, some of them were killed. So this is the reality of this religion. And I would like to thank Shiv Kumar for becoming member of my channel and uh, supporting me. Uh, so, by sir, the way, how do you see... by the way let me say one more thing. You've also given a bad insight, a good insight into the nature of Islam. Jihad is to be practiced until all the world says the shahada, that is, becomes Muslim. This means that our wars with Islam will never cease. They're never going to stop until Islam is defeated. And there's two ways to defeat. One is militarily, which I don't think is the right way to do it, and the other is ideologically. That's why I'm a, very much a scholar. And it turns out that very until the 20th century, no one had really challenged Islam. And the only people who knew about Islam were scholars. So now that we have, this is a change that we have now. For the first time in human history, anybody, a bus driver, a plumber, a college professor can pick up the Quran and read it because it has now been made readable. You can pick up the life of Muhammad and read it. It's been made readable. So now then it is impossible for the first time in history for the common man to understand the true nature of Islam. And that's, that's a very important thing in our favor. But the war will never cease as long as Islam exists. It's not a matter of our foreign policy. It's not a matter of how pleasing them. You can please Muslims as much as you wish, but in the end, jihad is there. And we also need to throw something else in here. I went through and counted up. There are 13 verses in the Quran which says that a Muslim is never the true friend of a Kafir. And a Kafir, as you know, is an unbeliever. Uh, yes, sir. Even in Tafsir ibn Kasir, uh, the commentary of ibn Kasir, uh, it is mentioned that even if you uh, shake your hand with any non-Muslim, you should wash it. <laughs> well, that's true. I understand that in Arabic, they don't usually say kafir, but they see kafir hajjahs, that is filthy kafir. And who says that I'm filthy? Allah says I'm filthy. Allah says that I'm unclean, that I'm lower than an animal, that I'm despised. I was made to burn in hell. So when you read about what it says about yourself in Islam, and by the way, one of the things that I did was, in America, we have a very strong constitutional protection of religion. I have no question about the religion at all of Islam. I don't care at all one thing, one way or another about it. But one of the things that struck me when I read it, and I've read, by the way, many sacred texts, 
both in Hinduism, the Bhagavad Gita, for instance, in uh, Buddhism, the sutras, in uh, the Torah for the Jews. I read all kinds of religious texts. But Islam is unique, absolutely unique, because its, doctor, its doctrine concerns itself mainly with me, the Kafir. And there's more about uh, the, what the Kafir, 51% of a Quran, Sarah Hadith, is about the Kafir. I call that part about the Kafir as political Islam because it's not religious Islam. Let me make a distinction here. In Europe, it's quite common for on Friday for the Muslims to commandeer the street and do prayers. You say, well, it's their religion. They have to pray. Praying is religious. Commandeering the street is not religious. It's a, it's a political action. That is, if I go out and try to stop the traffic, I'll be arrested. So we need to distinguish between religious Islam and political Islam. But the political Islam is about us. And I have no interest in the religion. I have no interest in the heaven or hell. Uh, in fact, sir, it is impossible to reform Islam. The only way to oh. reform Islam is to get rid of it because it is mentioned in Surah Nabi Daud, Hadith uh, 3512 and Hadith 4031, that uh, if any one of you uh, try to copy people of any other nation or try to copy their way or try to imitate them, is uh, not from us, uh, he's, from, uh, he's uh, from them or he's one of them. So... Muslim cannot imitate any other nation. Uh, there is no way to reform Islam. If you are trying to add anything into this religion, it's not Islam anymore. If trying to remove anything from this religion, then it's not Islam anymore. So this, uh, it is impossible to reform this cult. And uh, there is no way to reform it. The only way to reform it is to get rid of it. Unfortunately, you're quite correct. Because the Quran is perfect. It's complete. It's universal. So if you take something out of the Quran, it's no longer perfect. If you add something to it, it's no longer perfect. And by the way, a moderate Muslim is simply someone that does not practice all of Islam. And a so-called extremist Muslim is, is actually normal Muslim, and they practice all of Islam. I find that when I listen to the jihadis talk, they know their doctrine very well, and they agree with it. And they, they also will tell you it cannot be reformed. Because why? It is perfect as it is. It was perfect in the 7th century. It's perfect now. And so there's no way to modify it. And the so-called moderate Muslims just choose not to practice the jihad part. And uh, uh, so many strange things uh, are in this religion which are against humanity. Like in Ibn Majah, there is a hadith, hadith uh, 2839, that Ibn Abbas uh, told that uh, Sabin Jashama said to Holy Prophet uh, that uh, when we attack polytheists at night uh, and their women or children are killed, so are we doing uh, something that is right? So Muhammad said, yet it's, uh, it is uh, good because they are from among them. So he is actually telling people that uh, if you are killing these innocent uh, uh, people, it's correct. Uh, it's also mentioned in Sahih Bukhari, Hadith uh, 3012. Jain Saab bin Jasham, it is narrated by Saab bin Jashama, the prophet passed by me at the place called Al-Abwa uh, or Vadan and was asked whether it was permissible to attack pagan warriors at night uh, with the probability of exposing their women and children to danger. The prophet replied, they, they their women and children are from them. 
uh, I also heard the Prophet saying the institution of Hima is invalid except for Allah and his apostles. So here Muhammad is uh, telling that uh, they, they are from among them. So it is permissible to attack them. And uh, this is the, the, this can't be the nature of a prophet means uh, he is nothing but a warlord, thirsty for money and for women. Yes, this is true. The part about women is an interesting subject to talk about in Islam. Muslims say that Islam is the first one, first ideology or religion to give women their rights. Well, it gives in Islam, the woman has the right to be beaten, to be a child bride, to be divorced by the triple talic. I divorce you, I divorce you, I divorce you. It's uh, can be beaten. So the rights that Islam gives women are are terrible. Matter of fact, why don't we talk about wife beating? You know, in the Quran, it's Surah 434, I believe. Can you quote it? Yes, it's, uh, it's uh, in Quran. Yes, it's Quran. In Surah Al-Nisa, that is uh, chapter 4, and it's uh, uh, verse uh, 34, that it's told that if, you, if your wives are not obedient, then you should uh, uh, actually keep them away uh, from your bed and uh, still if they are not listening to you then you should beat them so that uh, and even there the, there's uh, it's also in Quran Surah Saad chapter 38 verse 44 that Prophet Job is being uh, God is commanding him to beat his wife that oh Job take some uh, bushes in your hand and beat your wife and do not break your oath so according to some islamic tradition prophet uh, job uh, he takes an oath that uh, uh, when i am healthy again um, from my sickness uh, i will beat my i'm gonna beat my wife so when he is healthy he decides that i will not beat my wife so god is telling him in the quran that you should not break your oath uh, you should beat her uh, by taking some uh, bushes in your hand. So this is uh, the nature of God. He wants uh, women to get get beaten. They, in, according to Quran, Surah Nisa, uh, chapter 4, verse 11, they have half inheritance as men. Uh, in Quran, uh, chapter 4, verse 24, men could have uh, sex with uh, the sex slaves, women which they capture in wars. Uh, and then, according to Quran, chapter 2, verse 228, men are in authority uh, over women. So, uh, this religion tells that uh, uh, women are nothing, but uh, even the, the, their testimony is half, uh, and uh, they have brain deficiency. According to Bukhari, that Muhammad is saying that isn't the testimony uh, or confession uh, of a woman uh, is half as compared to men. Uh, that is uh, the disadvantage of uh, deficiency uh, of uh, a women brain or of a female brain. So he is actually making fun of women, and there are so many things uh, which we we could keep on going on. According to Sunan Abidawud Hadith two one double five. It is it is mentioned that uh, companions uh, actually attacked a uh, few people of Banu Mustalik and they captured a few women. Uh, uh, 
they captured a few women uh, as war captives and they wanted to have sex with them but uh, companions were confused that these uh, these women are already married so how we could have sex with them when their husbands are alive and their pagan husbands uh, are still alive so then this verse of quran chapter 4 verse 24 was revealed that married women are forbidden unto you but uh, except those whom your right hand possess so uh, according to Islam, uh, it was also mentioned in Sayyid al-Bukhari, Hadith 7099, that never will succeed such a nation that makes a woman their ruler. So women can't be ruler. Uh, you could beat them. By the way, there's also a short Hadith which says, never Muhammad said, never ask a man why he beats his wife. And something else. People ask me sometimes, well, what is a good translation? And one of the things I tell them is, Go to Quran 4.34, the wife-beating surah uh, uh, verse. And if it says, beat lightly, the translation, don't use it. If it says, beat, then perhaps the translation is a good one. Because I find that when you read the, people talk about, it, well, it all depends on how you interpret it. Well, the main thing about the interpretation is, does it admit the existence of jihad or not? And does it admit things like wife-beating? If it does... Because the ones that are so-called better Qurans, all they've done is they, they say beat lightly, for instance, or some other such thing that, that uh, people, that is, does the Quran and the, and the life of Muhammad give you the real picture of the brutality of Islam? Because it is truly, the, towards women in particular. By the way, let me play a scientist here for one moment. We're talking about women in the scriptures. There's something I do. I like to do. I like to count verses, and to because there are some good things that, that is in the Quran about women. For instance, it says five percent of the verses in the Quran say that a woman has high status because she is a mother. There's 23 percent of the words in the, that deal with women in the Quran are that they're equal on Judgment Day, the man and the woman. Now here's the deal. On Judgment Day that there are man and woman, they're judged on what they do. One of the things the woman is judged on is she's a wife and how well does she treat her husband. Then the other 71% of the words in the Quran about women subjugate her. And I'll give you as an example, this, this my, I, have two, I had two daughters. My wife breastfed both of them. According to the Quran, I, the husband, should be able to tell her when to stop nursing. Why would I talk to a woman who's nursing a child and tell her when she should start talking or not, or start, stop nursing or not? This is subjugation of the woman. Now, it turns out I was raised by two women, my mother and my grandmother, and I'm very sensitive to these issues. And Islam is, is cruel to the woman, but Islamic women just point to the fact that they're equal on Judgment Day and point to the fact that they're praised as mothers and say, see, Islam is good. But when you look at it all, most of the woman is subjugated. Uh, I sometimes see those words which were praising uh, women. Actually, those verses uh, for just to impress Christian in the beginning of Islam. Uh, and these verses uh, for me felt like uh, a butcher 
uh, feeding uh, feeding a goat or sheep with uh, some leaves and with water and uh, the goat is thinking that uh, this butcher is so good he's feeding me with food and water and but the intention of butcher is pretty different so i don't think that there is anything good in islam well i try to give it every advantage i can <clears throat> and even when i do that it doesn't matter islam i mean i would be horrified if a, one of my daughters married or granddaughters married a muslim because and you know in a marriage of uh, deals with a muslim male the muslim male can marry a christian or a jewish woman but a um, christian man cannot marry a muslim woman because the man is supposed to be superior and a, and a Muslim should never be under the judgment of a Kafir. Yeah, and that is, uh, uh, that's what I call love jihad, means a Muslim right. man is allowed to marry a Jewish, uh, uh, a Jewish girl, a Christian girl, but uh, uh, Jewish boys be? or Christian boys or and yeah and the children have to follow the religion of their father so this is uh, this is what i call uh, love jihad according to quran this is true so what do you think uh, uh, what what is the future of this world and how we should uh, counter this religion to protect uh, our society else uh, Freedom of expression will be a myth in future if Islam will keep on growing and uh, this is the greatest threat uh, for human race. I agree with you completely. There are two ways to fight Islam. We tried it in Afghanistan just using bullets and bombs. But in 20 years in Afghanistan, our generals never, ever, ever read anything about the doctrine of jihad, the Quranic doctrine of war. So they fought a war against an enemy they refused to recognize. Let me give you an example. There were 18 generals in 20 years in Afghanistan. One of them, Stanley McChrystal, wrote an article, a paper actually, that was a strategic view of Islam and how to win, a strategic view of Afghanistan and how to win the war. There were three words that did not occur in his, in his document. It, jihad, Muslim, and Islam. So in other words, we fought for 20 years and never understood who our enemy was not one. So what the real war needs to be fought is ideological, not with bullets and bombs. And what I think is, is that my, is my effort, my answer to your question as to what to do about Islam is to teach as many people as possible what Islam really is, not the fairy sugar-coated version of Islam, but the real Islam, with the, with the Islam that you and I are talking about today. This needs to be known. Women, for instance, in the West and in Europe and, and anywhere else need to start standing up for women who are being abused in Islam. Different priests, rabbis and preachers need to talk about the evil that is within Islam. Because once people, here's what I've discovered. Once people truly understand the nature of Islam and truly understand what it says, they don't want it anymore. So it's an ideological war we have to fight. It's a war of doctrines. And do not believe that there's some compromise because you and I have already been over this. There is no compromise between calling me a filthy Kafir and, and a brother. This, I'm either one or the other. Now, a Muslim is a brother to another Muslim, but I am never their friend. Why? Not because of me, but because of the Quran. 
So I see this as a war of words and a war of ideas and ideologies. And that's, that's my answer to the question, is that once we introduce the true knowledge of what Islam really is, people don't want it anymore. Look at yourself. You tried Islam, and once you really begin to understand it, you, you, you left it. And that's one of the things that needs to happen. By the way, I don't deal with religion, but I did, a man from Australia came by to visit me. He's a Baptist minister. He has converted 2,400 Muslims to Christianity. And how does he do it? He teaches them who Muhammad was, and he teaches them what's in the Quran. So I think that truth is a, and facts is our best weapon here. It's the only weapon I know how to use. I'm too old to fight with a gun. And then besides that, it's not my nature. But I will debate anyone. Um, I, I used to do it before the COVID virus problem. I used to do a lot of public speaking. And I always loved it when Muslims would come to my talks and ask me questions. I remember one time one of the Muslims said, well, you don't speak Arabic, so you can't really understand Islam. I said, well, first off, Islam is supposed to be universal, which means it can't be expressed in, in all languages. But I said, I give you a challenge right now. You say that I do not understand Islam. I challenge you to show me the verse I cannot explain to you. I challenge you to show me the hadith that I cannot explain to you. And I challenge you to show me one chapter of the Sirah, Bhagavad Muhammad, that I cannot understand. Do it now. Challenge him. Well, he just sat down and shut up. So that's... That's what I like best. <laughs> I always enjoyed it when Muslims would come to my talks. Uh, yeah, means Islam uh, is pretty dangerous. What did Muhammad do with Abi Salah? What uh, Muhammad do with Abu Nufail? What he do with Asma bint Marwan? Even uh, uh, when a person killed his uh, when a blind person killed his slave muhammad uh, actually uh, uh, muhammad actually agreed uh, with his action that if uh, she was insulting me then it's okay to kill her in sunan nasai hadith uh, 4075 and 4361 and uh, uh, this is the strange nature of this prophet even women uh, in islam are not allowed to go out from their home means according to Sahih Muslim Hadith uh, 2236A, uh, according to international numbering, it is uh, Hadith 2236. And according to Sunan Abi Daud, this Hadith is on Hadith 5257, uh, that uh, Abu al-Salib, uh, he visited the house of Abu Sayyid Khudri, and um, he saw one snake in his house. So he was going to kill that snake, but Abu Sayyid Khudri, stopped him and tell him to sit down and uh, he told him that once uh, a boy used to live there uh, and there were and he newly got married and uh, he asked muhammad that i want to go uh, uh, and meet my wife but when he returned back uh, muhammad uh, allow him that okay you could meet your wife and when uh, uh, he saw his wife standing at the door of the house uh, uh, when he pointed to her with the lens. Uh, she said, do not uh, make hassle till you see uh, what has brought me out. Uh, he entered the house and found an ugly snake there and that snake bite uh, that uh, guy and he was uh, and he died 
because of their snake bite, but he was going to kill his wife because uh, she was out from her house. So even uh, the ISIS give a, uh, on the basis of uh, this hadith, uh, which uh, come in Sahih Muslim and uh, Sunan Abi Dawood, ISIS give a fatawa that women are not allowed to go out from their home and they should be put to death or they should be killed if they are going out without uh, and i request for viewers if uh, you have any question you could ask it through super chat if you want to ask any question to bill warner and we will end the stream within the uh, next 10 minutes it will it will not be that long i'm sitting here trying to decide what to talk about uh there's there's so many things to deal with with islam but we also need to deal with us the kafir one of the things that I see Kafirs do a lot is they are easily discouraged and they speak and they don't have good morale. And so what I encourage is, is all those who are not Muslims who want to oppose Islam to adopt an a attitude of positiveness because Islam can be defeated. Remember, I just told you about the Baptist minister who's, who's converted 2,400. All we need to do is to have an optimism that what we are doing is exactly the right thing. It is not right to sit around and watch your civilization be destroyed. It is not right to sit around and try to and conduct yourself politically in such a way that Muslims, more and more Muslims will be powerful in the United States. For an example, in the, in the United States, every time a Muslim runs for office, there should be many people there with brochures and signs and questions because they try to deplatform us, that is to take away our ability to be heard. But in a political campaign, you can always be heard. So we should have the optimism to go out and face Muslim candidates who are running for office. And basically, every, the Muslim would know that every time he shows up to give a political speech, those people are going to be there asking tough questions. So we need to have a good morale and seek every opportunity we can to combat Islam instead of sit around and worrying about it. Worry never accomplishes anything. We need to be warriors, not warriors. Does that come across? We need to be fighters, not warriors. Not well, I got confused. But anyway, we need to be optimistic and be a fighter to protect our civilization. And because it is the purpose of Islam to take away our civilization, to have it to be Sharia. And so anyone who knows much about the Sharia knows that it's a terrible way, it's a terrible law to live under. First off, in the Sharia, as a Kafir, I'm actually supposed to be a demi. That is, I'm supposed to be subjugated and pay special taxes, and I can be humiliated. <clears throat> it's interesting. But in Islam, you're not supposed to you're supposed to treat a slave well, but you're not supposed to humiliate him. But the Kafir, who is a demi, it can be humiliated. So we need to fight it in all ways that we can because it's an important battle. As a matter of fact, I say the most important question of the 21st century is what is the true nature of Islam and what are we going to do about it? Well, the way it works is I've discovered again and again that if you know a lot about Islam, Muslims don't want you to talk about it in public. So we need to be we need to be fighters. Because look at this way, who's going to do the job for us? Our law enforcement's not going to do it. The military's not going to do it. The school, the universities have already become in bed with Islam. So we need to be fighters and, and fight it in every way that we can with optimism. Because we stand for the our civilization based on the golden rule, doing to others as you would have them do unto you. And critical thought, scientific thought and rational thought is superior to the Islamic world of, you, of how you're treated is depends on who you are, whether you're a Kafir or a Muslim. So we have a superior civilization, but we must fight to descend the 
to defend our civilization because it's under attack. And unfortunately, our leaders are compromised. So Muhammad is telling that uh, if people accept la ilaha illallah, I will not kill them, their wealth and uh, their life uh, are forbidden uh, unto me. But uh, this means that uh, uh, this man uh, should have been killed if he would not been accepting Islam. And uh, the there are so many hadiths like uh, Sahih Muslim hadith uh, 4519, Ibn On reported that I wrote to Nafi a letter from him uh, inqu inquiring him uh, uh, what what how to say it inquiring from him whether it was necessary to extend to the disbeliever an invitation to accept Islam before meeting them in fight. Uh, then uh, Nafi wrote uh, uh, Nafi wrote to me that it was necessary in the early days of Islam, not now. The messenger of Allah made a raid uh, upon Banu Mustalik while they were unaware and their cattle were having a drink uh, at the water. He killed those who fought and imprisoned others on that uh, very day. He captured Jawaria bint Haris. So this hadith shows that Muhammad attacked people when they are sleeping, when they are not prepared. And uh, uh, this hadith shows that uh, uh, Muslims used to warn non-Muslims uh, uh, that they should accept Islam. They used to invite people before attacking them in the early days of Islam. Then they simply attack them and uh, kill all of them and... Uh, uh, they imprison them. They don't take jizya from them. So Sayyid Qutb, who is a pretty extremist uh, Muslim scholar, and uh, Osama bin Laden, Iman uh, al-Zawahiri, Anwar al-Ulaki, all extremist Muslims follow him after his death and all love his translation and his commentary of Quran, known as uh, In the Shade of Quran. Everyone loves him. And that person was so extremist that he told that now you don't need to take jizya from this believer and when the Jesus will descend, ba descend back, uh, he will not take jizya, he will simply kill every disbeliever. So jizya for uh, early period uh, when Muhammad was not powerful with army with, uh, and with followers of Islam, but now when Muslims are high, when they are huge in number, then you don't have to take jizya, you simply have to kill them. So this is the, uh, the cruel nature of Islam. So we didn't receive any questions, sir. So uh, we will end the stream. Uh, uh, you, over to you. Uh, we already reached to our time limit. Uh, but uh, uh, if you want to say anything, you could say a few last words and we will end the stream. Well, I would say this. If you're interested in, in who I am and what books I've written, I have a website, politicalislam.com. It has videos, newsletters, books. So if you want to know more about me, go to my website, politicalislam.com. Thank you very much. Okay, uh, so I recommend everyone uh, listening to me that they should search Bill Warner and subscribe to his official uh, uh, YouTube channel and uh, support him. And uh, everyone, uh, should uh, read uh, his uh, books uh, 
His books are wonderful, amazing, and I'm pretty impressed. And if I am telling, but my English is not that good, but people who listen to me in Urdu and do, and they knew that uh, how knowledgeable I am, I am recommending that everyone should read his book once, at least one. Uh, everyone should read his books so people could know what Islam is and. Uh, uh, his his work is amazing uh, his work is really good and even his books uh, are taught by right wing people in their schools so they could uh, save our future society from uh, this uh, uh, this islamic extremism and uh, this cult so i'm ending the stream uh, thanks for watching this video everyone should visit uh, his website i didn't know the uh, name of his website but everyone uh, should search for it or uh, go to his youtube channel and from there you could visit uh, his website and uh, sir you could you tell name of your website so everyone could visit it politicalislam.com Okay, so politicalislam.com. I will add the link of the, his website in the description after ending the stream. So everyone could visit uh, this website. I will also add link of his YouTube channel. So everyone could uh, visit his YouTube channel as well. So, okay. Thanks, for, uh, thanks sir, for joining me. Uh, I really appreciate. And thanks for giving me so much time. And uh, I'm your huge fan. Uh, I love your work. I love your books. And uh, it was uh, for, uh, for me, uh, when you come to my channel, it was like a celebrity coming to my channel uh, or a superstar or a film star coming to my channel. So I'm really happy that uh, you come to my channel. And uh, okay, uh, good night to everyone. Uh, Stay safe from Islam. Stay away from Islam. Uh, stay safe from Islam. And uh, Jai Hind, Vande Matram. Thanks for listening. If you would like to learn more, please go to politicalislam.com or cspii.org.